Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have Mark Sims, who's the president and CEO of Riv Capital, um, which is an investment group based out of Toronto that's been coming very active across all the U.S. Welcome aboard, Mark. Hey, thanks, Richard. Great to be here. Um, so speaking of activity, you've recently acquired one of the operators in New York, um, fully vertically integrated. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, no, super excited to uh, to be in the New York, New York market. Um, I think from our perspective, New York's going to be one of the most exciting cannabis markets over the next three years. Obviously, they've already, you know, kind of announced the adult use. We're still waiting on the regulations, which... Uh-huh. You know, like many things with uh, dealing with the, the regulators, it could be uh, frustrating that it's not a, not going faster. But uh, once it does uh, open up, we think it'll be a monster. And then, yeah, the acquisition of Attain, really excited about that. Um, a woman-founded, uh, woman-led business. Uh, they were the kind of the last single-state operator, uh, privately held business um, in uh, New York. Uh-huh. Uh, and so as it related to that, uh, was, was a real opportunity, uh, excited to have those principles stay, stay on and help build the Etain brand while we bring in, you know, other brands and, and create new brands to, uh, bring to New York consumers. Yeah. And it's got a fully integrated license. So you're able to touch on every aspect of the industry in New York, aren't you? Yeah, that that's a, a big component of, um, being able to compete in all the aspects of, of the value chain. Uh, from genetics to cultivation, processing, manufacturing, and then retail. Obviously, the the retail footprint is going to be limited at first, um, you know, to uh, three co-located adult use. But we really view those as uh, the potential to be flagship stores where we can highlight kind of unique genetics, uh, highlight unique products. And then really, we're excited about servicing the, the, the vast wholesale market that's going to open up in New York with all the social equity licensees uh, initially, and then obviously as they expand it to, uh, to more retail license holders. Right, of course. And so, you know, with that, I mean, you're operating in a few states, but it looks like New York's going to be the, and rightly so, the focus for the next while, because it is the area with the largest potential growth. But how are you positioning RIV to be, you know, apart from the rest of the industry participants? Yeah, so from the standpoint of New York, we we definitely are are highly focused there. You know, historically through the the Riv Capital Canopy Rivers days, they have uh-huh. uh, we do have some exposure to uh, some Canadian LPs, uh, yep. but, but the only asset in in the U.S. is is New York, and, and so really a couple things that we're going to look to do there. One is obviously uh, build out uh, premium cultivation capabilities which we will do in partnership with uh, some legacy and authentic brands. So we think that there's a lot of brands that are competing and winning in highly competitive states, uh, such as California, Colorado, even Michigan. Um, And if they're able to kind of compete and win there, especially in California, the most sophisticated consumers, the most sophisticated um, or the most competition, um, bring them to a state like New York, where there's going to be, you know, at the outset kind of limited licenses and limited shelf space. Uh, we think we can really, um, you know, take those brands and, and put them on the other coast to, uh, to be very successful. No, absolutely. And, you know, but with all of that, um, you've got the, you know, the advantages and also you can see the challenges that exist and have existed in California and good speed bumps to avoid along the way. What are some of the things that uh, you've noticed in 
other states and other operations that are things that are more important today than ever and things you really want to avoid in developing uh, Etain? Well, again, I think the importance of brand and, you know, maybe given my my background in consumer products, uh, I have a bias for that. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, what is a brand? Brand is a promise uh, that you, you have with a consumer. Uh, so you bring a premium, you bring a product that is consistent, uh, delivers a uh, uh, an experience that the consumer wants, whatever that is. Um, so I think focusing on, you know, brand is, is important. Yes. But also the underlying product is super important. Um, and I think you've seen that, you know, develop in other States as kind of premium products come into say Florida, yep. uh, you're seeing that a, a lot of the established players have to react and have to kind of up, up their game in terms of either the brands or the genetics that they're offering. Um, cause the consumers, you know, once they get a, a taste of, either a, a better product, better experience, uh, they're going to want to demand that uh, and, and people are willing to, to pay up for it usually. Uh, so I think everyone, you know, is going to have to elevate their game every every day in every state. Yep. Uh, but I think that's one of the things that we're going to try to crack from the outset is how do we make sure that we're bringing, you know, really kind of solid products and brands for consumers in New York. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, your background, you touched on, you've got a CPG background prior to Riv, you were with Scott's miracle Grow. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was. So I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to ask you a bit about the experience there. I know you were in a lot in M&A, but of course that's also has involved with a brand growth strategy. Yeah. Had a lot of different hats at at Scott's over my 15 years there. Uh, But the last three, to your point, I was running a strategy in M&A. Um, and Scott's Miracle Grow has really two divisions. Obviously, the the core lawn and garden uh, that probably most consumers are familiar with, um, Scott's Miracle Grow Ortho, um, and then they also back in 2015 uh, started selling similar products, nutrients, soils, etc., but into the cannabis space through a division called Hawthorne Gardening. Uh, that maybe I'm sure a lot of your a lot of your listeners are familiar with, but some may not be. So Hawthorne kind of was built through acquiring leading established brands in the uh, hydroponic space. Right. So that allowed them and, and kind of got, was the first foray into the cannabis industry for Scott's. Um, and as we, uh, that, that Hawthorne business has been a really interesting business, had, had its ups and downs, just like the, the cannabis industry as a whole yep. in 2018, when California uh, had its challenges, challenges migrating to, uh, you know, full wreck. And then, you know, here recently with kind of the surplus of um, cannabis that's out on the market, um, the input supply business has suffered. Um, but as we took a look at it, when I was running strategy, as we took a look at kind of the full industry value chain, right. it definitely can be a nice business selling input supplies to uh, a cultivator, mm-hmm. but really the folks that are going to make the you know, the lion's share of the, the margin dollars and high margin rate uh, over time are going to be the people that own the brands, right? So again, that's true in in most crop-based industries and in most, most consumer-facing industries. So uh, that was what was the impetus for Scott's to start to look at how can they play in the, um, the branded side of uh, the cannabis space. Right. Obviously, as a, a, you know, New York Stock Exchange traded company, as well as uh, a company that borrows a lot of money from traditional banks, 
that can be a challenge to get into a, a federally illegal business. Um, so that's where they struck the uh, partnership with Riv Capital. Uh, so Riv was pivoting from being a venture firm focused in ancillary and, and Canadian LPs and wanted to move into the U.S. Uh, and so the strategies were aligned. Uh, and uh, Scott's ultimately made the $150 million initial investment about a year ago. Right. Um, and that was kind of, you know, my first foray as I joined the board. And then after uh-huh. we purchased Attain, uh, I moved over to uh, to operate the business. Right, which absolutely you want to be in there and uh, managing an investment like that along the way. It's critical uh, to its success, all setting up every aspect of the operation, the structure, the facilities, the procedures, everything. Um, and as the firm grows, it needs so much different attention than it would have prior. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, when you think about, you know, um, you know, as it relates to all aspects of the the supply chain, uh-huh. yeah, and that was, you know, way back when that was my background was supply chain. Uh-huh. Uh, so really, you know, these cannabis businesses, as much as we talk about kind of the craft nature of what we're trying to produce, you know, fundamentally, we're trying to build factories that produce cannabis products, right? Whether that's raw flour, whether that's vape, whether that's, you know, edibles. Um, and, and so bringing that mindset, and I think, you know, there, there's a lot of operators that I've run into that that get that mindset and, and have that, uh, that capability. But really, it's, it's a lot of blocking and tackling and sometimes boring things like standard operating procedures that you mentioned are yep. the key to making sure that you can week in and week out produce, uh, you know, the product in a consistent manner that the consumer is going to be happy with it. Absolutely. And actually on that note, I'd like to come back to that after we take a short break. We'll be back in the Green Peak in a moment with Mark Sims from Riv Capital. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Mark Sims from Riv Capital. And Mark, just before the break, we're talking um, a little bit about, you mentioned, you know, factories of production in, in the market. And of course, there's always going to be the cottage industry-based nature of some where you're going to have the finer products, the higher-end products delivered, and then you're going to have the mass production side. And that, that touches on an interesting aspect looking to the future with descheduling, legalization, and the effect on the market and your planning. You know, you need to plan out three and five years from now and what it looks like. How, how do you look at that from the perspective of where do you expect to focus the industry or the industry, your operation within the industry for three and five years down the road? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, you know, I guess there's there's two aspects of that. One is as we look to scale the business in New York, I think, you know, kind of that three-year time scale is is probably a, a realistic one to, to think through. So we've got a, um, a 40,000 square foot total square footage cultivation facility in uh, upstate New York on the east side of New York. Uh Um, And and that's established. That was part of the attained business. Uh, That is uh, once we finish the expansion, it'll be around 40,000 square feet. Um, So that, that is a hybrid greenhouse. So capable of producing flour, but also as a a center of excellence as it relates to our um, manufactured products. Right. And then we recently announced that we are going to build a, what we call our flagship indoor facility in Buffalo, New York. Uh, so there's a, 
a large cannabis campus that a developer has uh, established there. And we're going to be the kind of the anchor building. Um, and, and so we'll have the ability, that's a 68,000 square foot facility with roughly 30,000 square foot of canopy. That's going to be focused on, um, you know, premium flower production, uh-huh. which if you look at most markets, you know, flower and pre-roll makes up anywhere between 50 and 60% of kind of the, this, the POS. Um, yeah. And so when we think about that uh, first phase of, of our flagship facility, it's really going to be heavily focused on, on flower production, which uh, we think will be in high demand as we transition to adult use. We have a phase two scoped out um, and, you know, have worked with the developer on that. I think that we're, we've got a little bit of time to plan to right. see how the market evolves, but, you know, that could be, uh, similarly, um, highly focused on flower production, or it could be more focused on kind of distribution and manufacturing um, right. and or a mix. So I think as we we scale, we're trying to give ourselves optionality and flexibility to under to see how the New York market unfolds. Uh, you know, specifically, what are the consumers want, right? Which seems like a novel concept. Right. Um, but, you know, we're really excited about kind of the, the first phase and then have um, you know, the fast follower second phase. Yep. Um, so that's kind of just in New York. I think on the other side of things, as we think about the next three to five years and really probably the next, you know, one to five years, we've, we've said from the outset, we, we, we want to maximize the opportunity in New York, but given the state of the industry and the fact that there can be uh, some interesting tie-ups, uh, you know, with other businesses that uh, are in states that are attractive to us, Right. Uh, we think we could accelerate accelerate our strategy. Um, that's kind of another aspect of of our longer term planning of like what are the potential you know kind of moves that we could make uh, that would allow us to build a, a really interesting geographic footprint that we think is uh, you know going to be good for the short term as well as the long term, and then also as it relates to uh, accelerating kind of our brand strategy. So I, I think if I paraphrase part of what you're saying is the way you're building your facilities is to give yourselves the optionality around the grow potentially becoming a manufacturing center in the future or a processing center and as you look at the other states you're looking to them for strategically if legalization happens and um, interstate traffic is permitted you may want to have a facility in a geographic location that's optimized for grow and production in a different areas so that you're able to maximize the potential on each, eventually leading back to the brand growth, which is what you touched upon as being the, the starting point and the cornerstone for you. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, when again, when you think about the, um, you know, if you're building a modern day supply chain, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where would you want? You know, it's never any, all in one place, right? <laughs> yeah, you would, you would want, you know, geographic uh, disbursement of your manufacturing distribution facilities so that uh-huh. you can service, you know, any consumer within or any retailer within a day or, or you know, insert your, um, your service level uh, that you'd want to hit. And, and I think that starts to uh, map out how do you make sure that you, you have facilities and capabilities in, in states that are, you know, ideally large, but also can have a geographic uh, significance if there is interstate commerce. Yeah. So, you know, then taking the step back or, you know, forward, <laughs> really, you know, legalization, day it happens, great. Two years later, the regulations will probably be in place that everybody knows 
what the the ground really looks like that people are operating on but when you look at that moment how are you planning for it because it keeps coming up more and more and some people of course think it's close i'm still you know thinking we're still three to five years away from getting there but i'd love to see it happen tomorrow but as far as planning your brand strategy how are you what steps are you taking today to plan for the for that opportunity yeah I guess two things. One, I'm, I'm probably more in your camp that I think, you know, even if it were announced today, uh-huh. um, I think there's a, a long tail for the feds to get regulations in place, whether it's the FDA, whether it's, you know, health and human services. And, you know, there's just a lot of uh, agencies that will have to weigh in. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, I, I call that the um, the glide path. Uh-huh. where it could be anywhere between, you know, two and 10 years, right? When you think about how long it might take to get not only the framework defined versus implemented, right? And in the yep. meantime, I think what happens is, you know, that the state regs would continue to reign, uh, which is probably not unlike alcohol, right? If you think about, you know, not only within a state, but within, you know, counties and cities, there's different regulations yep. that, that, uh, uh, you know, uh, control how, how alcohol operates. Yeah, no, I mean, the feds will set minimum standards across the board. And, you know, I, I know when I dealt with, you know, Peru as one jurisdiction, there was 10 different government departments who had to be dealt with and coordinated when building the regulations. Yeah, exactly. And it's not going to be any less in the States. And, And so I think, you know, what, what we're focused on is, you know, how do we build the business in each of the respective states that we're in. We're only in New right. York right now, but as we go to other states, like I said, we are trying to be very thoughtful in what other states we enter. Um, and both with, you know, where are the people, like, which is always a good, um, you know, a good strategy is go where the consumers are, especially when you have a walled garden of a, a given state. Yep. Uh, but also we're, as it relates to the brand strategy and kind of the basis of your question, um, also looking for states where there's cultural significance. So when you think about New York is obviously, you know, kind of the, the main one as it relates to New York City, uh, not only kind of influence in uh, in the U.S., but also globally. So if you're building a brand and you can have a, a strong voice in New York, that's helpful. But then you also start to think about Florida and Miami, Nevada and Las Vegas, you know, mm-hmm. Illinois, again, a lot of people. So you start to think about the culturally significant um, locales, as well as, you know, where the people are. And, and as you build out each of those states, you start to, uh, you know, can build your brand there, which once federal legalization happens in interstate commerce, uh, a lot of those states punch above their weight. And so they've already influenced and in, in folks in surrounding states are already aware of those, uh, of those brands. Yeah. And of course, you also have brand brand lead across let's say in new york the river to new jersey yeah which um is its own challenge in terms of your marketing and opportunity and sales and how you're going to deal with and bring those customers over that's 100 percent right and you know when you look at that um and you're planning as far as the store locations do you do you consider the state to state um bordering competition differently than within the state I definitely would if we had 
um, kind of an unlimited number of retail license, uh, retail uh, locations that we could open up in New York. We, you know, the way the regs are uh, as a uh, registered organization, we'll have, you, we can have up to eight total, uh, uh-huh. including medical, but only three initially co-located adult use. So really the focus is going to be on, you know, where the, you know, again, where's the, the, the large centers of uh, population that we can, um, you know, kind of service the, as many consumers in New York as possible. But, but yeah, I, I definitely have heard of other brands, other kind of operators that, you know, they put a dispensary just, you know, even 20 miles over the border and they're <laughs> able to get a tremendous amount of traffic from neighboring States that have yet to, um, you know, legalize. Yeah. I mean, the catchment area is different and it's obviously needs to be factored in the analysis. Yeah. Mark, we do have to take one more short break. But we'll be back in a moment on The Green Peak with Mark Sims from Riv Capital. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Mark Sims from Riv Capital. And Mark, you know, we've been talking about all sorts of different aspects around the industry and what's going on and Riv's strategy. Of course, looking at the market today, you know, the announcements last week about legalization or potential but the other side of the coin is people's concern about a recession, mild or serious, it doesn't matter. There's factors going on in the economy which are a little bit different than we've had in the past. But as you're planning for the market, um, how are you doing so in the context of which way the economy is going to go and how are you looking at other firms and their ability to sustain a, a market change? Yeah, I, I think a, a couple of thoughts there. One is, you know, the, the nice thing about this industry is we're not selling a product that's unproven, right? So mm-hmm. the consumers are there. A lot of this is just a share shift from the, the black market to the uh, legal market. Yep. Uh, so I think that's definitely something that we, um, you know, will have in New York. There's a very robust black market that I think, uh, you know, the regulators need to address uh, and we've we've had discussions with with them about doing that in a more forceful way, and I, huh. I they have a plan around that. Um, so as it as it relates to kind of the health of the consumers in in New York, um, I think it's you know we we will test the uh, we'll test the uh, theory that you know cannabis is recession proof. I think what we'll probably see is people trade down where maybe it's more special use occasion that they'll they'll go with premium products. Uh, and, and so as we think about our product portfolio and kind of the, the different brands and the price points that we're going to roll out, uh, that's definitely a consideration as we think about, you know, ramping up supply for in anticipation of adult use launch. Um, right. On the more broader side, I agree with you. I think, you know, there's always been already been tremendous challenges, in, especially in California, but you also see it in, in Michigan and in Oklahoma as it relates to just the oversupply of cannabis that is out there, uh, particularly or specifically on the black market. Uh, And I think that's, you're seeing where the recession is in kind of the inflationary pressures are hurting is access to capital for those folks to sustain their business over time as they kind of weather the storm. I think that's going to be very challenging. So I think there may be just firms that flat up go out of business, um, and then there may be other firms that uh, are interested in tying up and, and building a bigger, uh, 
a bigger armada, if you will, to uh, to better weather the storm. Yeah, and I mean, in every other industry after or, you know, as a result of any downturn or recession, there's giants who emerge because they've been well positioned um, to take over lots of other assets. Do you plan for any of that? As I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, we were highly focused on on New York and, and continue mm-hmm. to be, but um, just given the state of the industry, we've we've definitely been looking at, are there some, you know, I wouldn't want, uh, I don't, we, we definitely aren't trying to buy distressed assets that are a project that could be, you know, take a lot of no. management attention, but as it relates mm-hmm. to other solid operators that are, um, you know, again, just interested in, in tying up and can, combining forces, those are definitely uh, calls that we're uh, taking and, uh, you know, the, having some interesting discussions, whether they ever, whether they come to anything, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I think it's definitely an interesting time to, as you said, kind of, are there moves we can make that allow us to emerge bigger and have a more strategic footprint uh, beyond just New York? Yeah. And, you know, then looking at the the Biden comments last week, some people are looking at it as being full legalization and some have been commenting about it potentially just going to schedule two or three. How do you plan for uh, if it just goes to two or three? That's going to have a huge effect on the industry in many ways. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I was having a briefing with uh, some folks that are um, you know way more knowledgeable than I am on uh, kind of the the processes within Health and Human Services and the FDA this morning. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, I think moving it to schedule two or three only solves it just moves the problem because those are mm-hmm. anything that's a schedule three drug. If you look at the list, those things still need to be purchased at a pharmacy. Right. Yep. And so when, when you think about the, you know, may, maybe that helps on the medical side, but then it still leaves work to be done on the adult use rec side. Right. So you really only solve, maybe solve half the problem. Now, is it ridiculous that cannabis is a schedule one Drug, of course, right? That, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah, but you know, to just kind of move the ball, I think you know maybe maybe helps in in some respects, but I think it just makes it a bigger quandary in in other aspects. And so I think you know the, the folks I was talking to and and you know us at Riv are definitely want to be part of this conversation to to help educate you know people in in uh, Washington around how that how do all those moves kind of map out to make sure that we don't just create another problem that somebody needs to solve. Ideally legislators could, you know, could step up and, uh, uh, and help bridge the gap between where, you know, the, the scheduling discussion takes us. Um, but it, it's definitely interesting. And then you get the FDA involved and that's kind of a whole nother dimension as you think about, you know, the FDA's regulation of ingredients and we've seen kind of what happened with Epidiolex in the CBD space where yeah. it just kind of put it in jail. Uh, and, you know, there's just kind of like a, a standstill and the industry has moved forward since the, uh, you know, since the farm bill, what was that almost four years ago? Um, so again, I think they need to be very thoughtful uh, in the way that they look at it, but I think just rescheduling it, I think, is a lot of the status quo. And then we're still looking for kind of that adult use, um, you know, uh, legalization. Um, and yeah. again, I don't think it's, I don't think it solves much. And I think it maybe creates more issues and problems, especially if, 
again, these are now regulated drugs that do need to be sold through pharmacies. Like how does that work state by state? Yeah, I, I look at it in terms of a move like that to two or three is kind of like government getting itself half pregnant and the rec industry being Schrodinger's cat, where we really don't know what it is until the end. Yeah. Um, Mark, but on that, we're actually running out of time. People who want to learn more about Riv Capital and follow the moves you're making, where should they find out more? Uh, definitely go to rivcapital.com uh, and uh, also look to uh, follow us on uh, whatever you know PR site that you look that you utilize. Great. Well, thanks for joining us this week on the Green Peak, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Richard. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back again with you next week. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.